0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Thursday, October the 28th, and wherever you are, whenever you listen to this podcast, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness uh, surrounding you, within you, among you, Uh, and uh, I'm grateful. Thanks for, for being present in this podcast here today. For us to break open more of God's Word together, because that's what this is all about. For those new to the podcast, welcome. Hey, my name is Joe Zank. I'm a lay Catholic minister, 30 years within the uh, Catholic Church. I am specifically within the Diocese of Green Bay, and I occupy the role of pastoral leader. And every Monday through Friday, I read most likely the Gospel and read it from the united states conference of catholic bishops website so generally using the nab um, uh, rendition or uh, or version of that although there are times i will use a different one because it's kind of fun helps us hear it with new ears but not today <laughs> today it's kind of a list of names we have a feast day today and it is the feast of saints simon and jude and if you're thinking to yourself huh, why would we do Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot? You would be, in the words of Fonzie, you would not be correct. Uh, Instead, uh, we are not talking about Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. Instead, two other lesser-known apostles by the names of Simon and Jude. So let's uh, break open God's Word together and uh, and unpack this great mystery that I've placed before you. Uh, we are going to go back. Uh, we've been going through Luke chapter 13, right, this whole week. But because today is a feast day, uh, and it's a higher feast day, not a memorial, uh, we are going to look at Luke 6, verses 12 to 16. Luke 6, 12 to 16, if you wish to follow along. So let's break open God's Word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. When day came, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter and his brother Andrew. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty cut and dry, isn't it? Just kind of like, boom. Let, this is let's let's get about it. This is the gospel for today, and uh, and this is what I get to talk about, for uh, the most part. So let's break it open a little bit at a time. So uh, first of all, now again we we read this gospel. Gosh, we're in Luke thirteen now. So I don't know, maybe a month ago we would have gone through this, and I love it. And and I'll just mention it briefly. But I know I, when we. We read this uh, some time ago. I, I really talked about the aspect of the action coming out of the prayer, right? That uh, we are called to prayer, and prayer doesn't just invite us to navel-gazing. Prayer doesn't just invite us to uh, good feelings, good feelings, as they say in a certain animated Disney films. Um, no, it invites us to something. Opening ourselves to the Spirit of God. Opening ourselves to the Holy Spirit and, and to put on, in a sense, that the mind and the heart of Christ, which is what prayer leads us to, more and more and more every day, so that can, the eyes and the ears and the, and the mouth and, and ultimately the mind and heart of God would become ours. Uh, and, and we would, therefore, Um, act and live out of that new space, that new identity. And uh, and Jesus went up the mountain to pray and he spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called all his disciples together to himself. Now there, you know, remember he sent 72 disciples out on mission. uh, And that would have been, I think, after Luke 6 before where we are in 13, but somewhere in there. So, you know, there were a lot of them but there were a number of them, and he chose 12 out of there to be his inner circle. And even with those 12, he had an inner, inner circle, and that was Peter, James, and John at various times, like when he went up the mountain of transfiguration, right? He only took Peter, James, and John with him, or he went into the garden. They were all there, but he took Peter, James, and John with him a little further in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he died. But this is the inner, inner circle. But that whole idea, brothers and sisters, that Prayer isn't just about feeling pious, it isn't just about feeling connected to God, although that connection is incredibly important. But out of that connection with God, that uh, vertical uh, part of the cross, we then hit the horizontal part of the cross, which is how do we reach out with these new eyes, with this new heart, with this new mind to those around us? And Jesus called together those and and picked out those whom he trusted most with this role. Now who were those ones he trusted? Well, a bunch of names that we know and some that we don't. But before we go there, I want to I want to focus on one point just for something for us to chew on. Jesus went up the mountain to pray. Jesus went up the mountain to pray. Brothers and sisters, where do you go to pray? Where is your sacred space? Where is that holy of holies within your life? And, and that's a, it's an important question for us to answer. Now, in, in the, the storied terms of the gospel, obviously up the mountain is closer to God. What does it help us think of? It reminds us of Moses, of course, who went up Mount Sinai, right? Right. And, and they're closer to God, the people were all at the base of the mountain. They saw the clouds covering the tip of the mountain and the, the thunder and lightning that was going on up there. And that indicated the presence of God. So if you were up on top of the mountain, of course, you were closer to God, at least metaphorically speaking. I mean, again, we're, we're talking in in uh, symbolic language. Jesus went up the mountain. He went to that place where closeness is. You and I could climb mountains. And maybe indeed, that would be a great place of prayer for us. But there aren't a whole lot of mountains here in Wisconsin, where I am. And, uh, and so therefore, it'd be trouble. The people in Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, they're, they're very holy there, I guess. Holier. All right. That was, that was a little bit of, uh, of, of bad humor. Of course, of course, where we are is where God is, right? You know, I'll use this example, and I've used it before, that that God is no more accessible, no more accessible uh, in church than He is in the bar down the street. God is fully accessible in both places. The question is, where are we more open to God to respond to His presence? to respond to his voice, to hear that voice, uh, to listen and to say yes. Where are we present? That's the question I'm asking you, and I reflect upon myself. Where is that sacred space for you in your life? And if you don't have one, brothers and sisters, I don't say this to bring shame to you or guilt. I'm saying, hey, praise God. Then let's start, right? And not only will I say, where is that space? When? When? How can you, how can I make it a part of a daily habit? Um, Because you know what? That's what they, isn't that what Lent is kind of about? Don't they say you do something like 20 times in a row or something and it becomes a part of who you are? How can we make that a habit? And choosing that sacred space. And you may say, hey, it's out in nature. Well, that's fine. But is there a specific place That becomes that holy of holies for you. Where is that place where you simply are there and you fall easier into that mode of presence where you are more able and apt to listen? You are more able and apt to open yourself and be vulnerable and hear and, and respond to that voice. Because again, it isn't just for good feelings. This is pointing us toward that horizontal apse of the cross that that brings us out. Now that we've heard the mission, now that we remember who we are, now that we we have uh, been infused uh, in more in in that presence, opened ourselves to that presence, now we then open our arms to bring that presence to others. How do we do that? So that's question number one for us to ponder. Question number two, or, or, or point number two, I'll say is this. Who did Jesus choose? Gosh, I mean, truth be told, and you know this already, this is no surprise, a bunch of people who were nobodies, at least in their culture. Now, we look upon them now and say, Joe, how can you say Simon Peter's a nobody? He's not. He's unbelievable. Um, but he's a nobody. He's an everyman, right? Or every woman. He's us. So let's go over this, this list of names again, shall we? Simon, whom he named Peter. And we know that story. You, know, it's, uh, uh, you will be called Peter, Cephas, rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. His brother Andrew, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor? So this, when when you look at this at this list of nine, right, or of twelve, right, nine kind of jump to the surface, and you're like, okay, I know a little bit about them. Those names resonate. Simon Peter, obviously, incredibly important uh, in in not only the history of our church, looking back, but even in, in the Gospels, his role. And he oftentimes shot himself in the foot. He oftentimes was bungling and, and said the exact wrong thing. But you know what? In Peter, we see us. Yeah, at least I do. I suspect you do too. And I'm grateful to the gospel writers for, for doing that. Uh, but we know Simon Peter, obviously. Uh, his brother Andrew. We don't know Andrew nearly as well, but we see him in the gospel, right? Andrew's the one who went and got Peter. Andrew was the brother, the fisherman. Andrew was the one who brought forward the boy who had the five loaves and the two fish. Andrew's that connector. Um, James and John, the sons of thunder, right? Boengenes or whatever it's called. Uh, and uh, they, it means they had temper. What do we know about them? Well, we know they had a, a, a dad whom they fished with, Zebedee, who they left in the boat with the nets. We know they had a mom who desired a little bit of. Uh, uh, advancing up the ladder because she's the one who said hey do something for my kids you know one sitting at your right and one at your left uh, if we are to, to read only John's gospel we don't see his name in it but he is the one whose head lies on the chest of Jesus how, how intimate right he's only called and he uses that as a device of course to put ourselves in the story but the disciple whom Jesus loved Philip Philip, who again is a connector like Andrew, who goes and calls people, one of the earliest disciples, Philip, and one of the ones he calls, Bartholomew slash Nathaniel, the man with many names, right? Nathaniel, of course, is the one who's under the fig tree, and, uh, and, and contemplating that story most likely of Jacob's ladder where the angels come up and down, and he goes, Philip brings him to Jesus, and, and Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree, and, and Bartholomew slash Nathaniel like, oh, you are the son of God, and he says, you've seen this. Wait till you see more. You know, it's going to be incredible. Matthew, of course, we know, the tax collector, right? Thomas, whom we know as well, who gets a bummer rap as um, being just, you know, a doubter, although he does question the resurrection uh, because he wasn't present. But also he's the one who said, okay, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Let us go with him and die with him. Thomas had a lot of courage. We know all those and we know judas iscariot that's nine right there judas iscariot who ultimately betrays who's the treasurer kept the the money bag but what about the other three james the son of Alphaeus. what do we know about him we know his name what do we know about simon simon who is called a zealot we know he was a zealot what's a zealot a zealot was a party at the time Uh, kind of think a political party, but one who wanted to actively kick the Romans out. They were very um, nationalistic, and their idea of a Messiah coming was one who would not only kick the Romans out, but would establish Israel as a nation, and that's what the Promised Land looked like. That's what a Messiah would do. Uh, It would bring them back to that uh, place where they were, um, I'll say important, although that's not necessarily the right word, that they were known, maybe not even feared, but they were established like under the King King David's rule uh, back in the day. So we've got James, son of Alphaeus, who we know nothing about, Simon, who was merely a zealot and tried to bring freedom and uh, and salvation through uh, means of violence and, and militarily kicking, kicking uh, out the Romans. And Judas, the son of James, um, whom is called Judas here in Luke's Gospel, and if you have Matthew or Mark's Gospel, it's called Thaddeus. So we call him Jude Thaddeus. Why not Judas? Because it was probably changed later, anglicized uh, because of the association with Judas, Iscariot. Saint Jude is one of the most famous saints that we pray to uh, because he is the patron of hope, hopeless cases. St. Jude, patron of hopeless cases. Pray for my son, my daughter, for me, you know? So what do we know about these group of 12, particularly these last three that I said, particularly the two that we have the, the um, feast for today, Simon and Jude. It's Simon the Zealot and Jude, the son of uh, James. It said that James, the son of Alphaeus, the James that we really don't know much about, and Jude slash Thaddeus were brothers. That's what tradition has. Um, but again, that's tradition. We don't know that. Uh, we just know this, brothers and sisters. Our God called and saw something in these people that society did not. They were ordinary at best by any measure. They were, um, well, I'll use the term bumbling. They were filled with themselves and were filled with ideas and visions of glory that was different. Um, They generally uh, represented themselves poorly during Jesus's active ministry on earth. And I say that not to judge them. I say that to hold a mirror up for you and I, that these men whom Jesus called um, had to actively go through a conversion process as well. They had to trust in the slow work of God that we talked about on Tuesday, just like you and I do. And the resurrection, I suspect, was a, a major catalyst in helping them become somebody new. But we can even read Acts of the Apostles and know on the other side that Peter was still Peter, although he was in a much, much different and newer spot. But he still made mistakes, and so will you and I in the slow work of God. Here's my point. My point is, brothers and sisters, you may not feel worthy of the call today. You may feel, how could God use me? How could God use you? How could God use that person? Do you know why? Because of yesterday's psalm, we trust in the mercy of God. We trust in God's wisdom. We trust that God can see something in ourselves that we don't even have have a vision or a dream uh, that is within us. If only, brothers and sisters, we could see ourselves as our God sees us. Because he sees that potential. He sees that idea. He sees what we can be. And he looks beyond that voice in our heads that is saying, but we are those worst decisions that we've made. I praise God that Peter didn't listen to that voice in himself. And and we see what Peter became. Because if he just listened to that voice and he had plenty of opportunity, he couldn't have done what he did. Nor could all the other, not just these apostles, but all the great saints. And not just the men, but the women. The, the Therese's and the Catherine's and the, and the Kateri's and the, and the Teresa of Avila's and all those. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we are more than those poor decisions we have made. And I'm grateful that God can wash those away. And God can say to us and invite us and say, you are more Let me give this idea and this vision of who you are. Because that's what he does. If you're feeling unworthy, this is your gospel today. Because he called two people today, Simon and Jude, who we know nothing about. But here's what we know. They said yes. And the early church remembered their yes in how they lived their life later. Had nothing to do with when Jesus was alive. But clearly, they lived a, and left a legacy that was worthy of their being on this list. Brothers and sisters, our worth does not come from anything, anything other than a God. And allow that call, allow that love, allow that trust and those eyes to change how we see ourselves and look at ourselves and enable us to say yes more freely and fully and leave whatever legacy our God desires through us and we leave that up for generations following us. Let's pray. We continue through the joyful mysteries today, my friends, and begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth joyful mystery Saints Simon and Jude, pray for us. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful Thursday. And uh, let's come back together one more time this week and break open God's word once more, shall we? God's peace.